everyone. Okay, good to see you guys. Um, so today uh, we're gonna do something special. Uh, we'll be reading from Psalm 96. Uh, we're gonna take a little break from Book of Mark that we have been in uh, for the this semester. Uh, it's because we wanted to set this day aside, this week aside, uh, for the topic of missions. Uh, it's because you know God's heart for local church is uh, that we be uh, missional. And as we talked about uh, in the beginning of the semester, that uh, one of our pillars of our vision uh, is to be missional. Uh, so we want to take a one day, one Sunday aside uh, to remind ourselves of what that means to be a missional church. So again, we're going to study from the book of Psalm uh, instead of book of Mark uh, today. Uh, Psalm 96, uh, I think uh, should be on the screen as well. So please follow along with me. Uh, here's a word of God. Uh, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That is God's word. Let's pray together uh, one more time and we'll go into our message together. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, what a precious time that we have together, Lord, to hear from uh, your very word. And uh, your word never changes. Uh, but we do. So we uh, ask for your spirit to come and uh, prepare our hearts. Uh, may the soil of our hearts be ready to receive your word uh, so that we can bear much fruit uh, by your grace, God. And um, But we know that you love us. Uh, that is the truth. And we know that you are so willing to feed us and bless us as a good Heavenly Father. So Lord, uh, may all of us leave this place more loved and more blessed and more fed uh, by your presence uh, after this time together. I pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Uh, as usual, three points. Let me just share with you guys so we can follow along uh, together as I just basically walk us through this passage together. Uh, first point, come and hear his salvation and come closer and know the Lord. And thirdly, come and have the real hope. First, come and hear his salvation. Verse 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. So the psalmist, the author of this psalm, right away tells us to sing to the Lord. Uh, the, the all caps Lord is Yahweh, uh, the, the unique name of God of Israel. Uh, in fact, he invites the whole creation, the earth, all the earth, it says in the verse, uh, to sing uh, with us. And then in verse 2, it says, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Uh, there, the psalmist now shifts gears. Uh, in verse 1 and in the first half of verse 2, again, sing to the Lord, meaning that there is a verticalness of the direction of us praising God. But now, when he says, tell of his salvation from day to day, from uh, every day, meaning that he's now looks, looking into the horizontal direction of telling others. And the content of his telling is, it says, his salvation, uh, meaning what God has done throughout the redemption history of saving people from their sins. And now in the next verse, verse 3, he will spell out, uh, give us more specifics of his salvation, what it means to tell his salvation. So verse 3, it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Uh, so we are to declare the glory and the marvelous works, the marvel of his salvation. Uh, and to who? May we ask, uh, the, the person, the people that we are to do this, the, the, the telling to is the nations and the peoples. What that means to the, the original readers of the psalm, which is the, the Israelites, uh, is that those are the, the people that are not part of Israel, people who don't know Yahweh, non-Israelites, or you can call them the Gentiles. And for Christ followers, uh, these nations and the peoples are uh, those who don't believe in this God, specifically the God of Jesus Christ, you know, all around the world, whether at home near us or, you know, beyond our vicinity, uh, all around the world. Uh, so now, uh, with that established, uh, the psalmist will give us the reason why uh, such universal scope of uh, God's praise. So follow with me. Verse 4 and 5, it says, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Meaning that all the gods, quote-unquote, of other peoples uh, in the nations, uh, it says, are idols, meaning they were, they were created and manufactured by human imagination and desires, so they are not real. Uh, but this God of the Bible alone is real 
because he alone created. He wasn't created. Uh, he, he himself created the heavens and the whole universe. Uh, so we tell other people about this real God, real living God, and give them true living hope. And let's pause there. We're on uh, Minneapolis is a progressive city and the college campus as well. So right away, this, what we just talked about, can sound very highly offensive, right? Uh, it, it can sound, you know, the God of Christianity is the only real one and all the other religions of the world are false. And it, it can sound very exclusive, intolerant, and even bigoted, right? But I would actually argue that it is an exclusive claim to claim that every religion has to lead to salvation somehow, that any road leads to salvation somehow. That's exclusive claim because that claim asserts that the plurality of salvation is the right way and therefore the, any claims of the singular path like Christianity uh, is dead wrong. And by this, they're actually being intolerant of towards those who have different views of religion, again, like Christianity. On the other hand, if you're following with me so far, on the other hand, what if, what if truth is not relative, but absolute, just as one plus one equals two? So what if the Christian claim of the one way to salvation uh, is the truth, and out of that conviction of the truth, Christians share with others and encourage them uh, to consider their God. And to be sure, I want to say this out and clear, that this can be and actually has been misused throughout history. You know, some people have put Christianity above other religions out of personal pride. And some have tried to convert others by violence uh, and by force, you know, out of, you know, colonial and inhumane mindset. And those are wrong. But what if there are Christians who are genuinely faithful to the truth? And even better, they have love and respect for others who they believe to be perishing apart from Christ. And out of that heart, they genuinely reach out and try to share the way to hope and joy. And I believe that that's where the psalmist is coming from when he says, the Lord alone is God and all the other gods and religions are false and worthless idols. So he continues on in verse 6. And this is a natural conclusion out of what we just talked about. Verse 6, he says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. What that means is that if God indeed is real and living, then you have to, you're supposed to encounter the real splendor and majesty and true strength and true beauty that exceed all the beauties of the world when we're in his presence, when we're in his sanctuary. That's a natural conclusion. And therefore, 
you know, we tell others of this, this God with whom we can truly experience, again, beauty and strength. Before we move on, uh, I want us to uh, focus on one aspect of this passage that we just looked at, which is that it seems that before we tell others, the psalmist is telling us to first experience ourselves of these truths ourselves, uh, again, before we tell others. Uh, back in verse 1, uh, it said, Sing to the Lord a new song. And there it does not mean that you need to compose a new song every time you worship. It rather means that you sing out of a new experience of God, especially experience God in His Word. So your response with the song is new. And also, particularly, you know, if you're to tell others about salvation, you yourself have to be experiencing the beauty and wonder of the salvation yourself, right? What that means is, like, do we genuinely feel thankful that while we were hell-bound sinners, you know, God grabbed hold of our hearts and made us His children? You know, daily, are we marveling at the fact that I'm not worthy myself, but God somehow notices me and he loves me and he is using me. And that blows my mind. Do we feel that way? Are we utterly humbled and thankful by that fact? And therefore, heart of gratitude is the sign that you are indeed walking with God daily. And let me illustrate it this way. By show of hands, how many of you have been to Iceland? Oh, okay, not that many. Um, chosen few there. Um, I haven't been there myself, okay? Uh, but I watch a lot of videos about it, uh, especially on this YouTube channel that I really love. Um, and I also heard from <laughs> actually those three. Uh, <laughs> about their trips, and I was so jealous uh, when they told me about that. But what if, uh, during our just random conversations, I, I walk up to you, and I tell you, I urge you, hey, you gotta go to Iceland. And then your response will probably be, okay, uh, why don't you go there? And I'll tell them, I'll tell you, I haven't been there myself, but I watched this one channel that had extended extensive series on Iceland and I know Iceland inside out so I know Iceland, it's, it's an amazing place to go you got to go there and most likely in response you will just try to change the topic and roll your eyes and walk away um, and the reason is this because videos cannot do justice of the beauty of Iceland but what if if you keep going, there's some pictures here. Uh, the beauty of Iceland. The next slide, I think. But what if I indeed went there and dipped my toes in Blue Lagoon and it felt magical? And next slide, what if I spotted the Northern Lights every night I was there? I just felt so romantic and I cried every night. And next slide, what if, you know, I went to this famous 
church building that I cannot pronounce its name of. And I was just blown away by the architecture. And I was just so amazed. And what if out of that true experience, I tell you, you got to go there. Otherwise, you're missing out. Then it's a valid recommendation and you'll be moved. Likewise, mission and evangelism start from our own experience of the beauty of God and His salvation. Uh, first, this does not mean that you, know, you cannot tell others about you know, God if you don't have the perfect experience. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying is it is necessary still that the experience that you're trying to share with others has to be your own experience. Your own experience has to be there. And, and I want to just insert this here right away because I think that that um, expectation of you having your own experience can be discouraging for some of us. Uh, you know, when, when you hear about you know, this sort of prerequisite of uh, mission or evangelism, you may say, hey, maybe you should call me out because I'm struggling in, with my faith these days and I feel apathetic about how I'm doing with God. It's been a struggle. And, uh, you know, is there any hope for me? Like, when you tell me to experience, like, how do I do that? That just feels so suffocating. I think that's a very real confession there. And I've been there. But let me try to encourage you here before we move on. Um, check these two pictures out. Um, first one. And the next one. Snowflakes. Uh, to me, I always marvel at snowflakes. Because they are natural. They look perhaps manufactured and you know, designed. But they're all natural. Uh, and yet you see that the intricacy of the you know, formation is orderly and most importantly, it's beautiful. And it makes you wonder perhaps that there might be a cosmic artist behind that kind of creation. And if the creation is beautiful, how much more beautiful the creator be? So my encouragement is this, that the trusting that God does, does re reveal himself and his beauty through his word, that whenever we spend time with him, whether we feel it or not, God is doing something in our hearts. Last week we saw from the story of Jesus calling us out of, you know, fishing and whatever, and we saw that it is Jesus, he's the one that makes us fishers of men. He's the one that changes our hearts. So my encouragement is that, that we do not give up in spending at least 10 or 20 minutes in solitude without any distraction, phones or people. Just focus on God's word daily. Again, trusting that he is beautiful. He's just so ready to exude his beauty into us. Let us not give up. And it is God's work um, for the rest that he would make us beautiful like him and experience his beauty along the way. So he, come and hear of his salvation. Second, come closer 
and know the Lord. Verse 7, he says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So now the psalmist speaks directly to the nations and peoples that we talked about, people who are not uh, part of God's community. And he urges them to worship God as well by acknowledging, ascribing uh, his attributes, God's attributes such as his glory and strength. And there, I I want us to zone in on to this one word, uh, families. So please follow with me. I think this is very important for us to know the background behind this verse. The word families, uh, there, the, the same Hebrew word for families was used back in Genesis 12, where God was making a promise with Abraham. So go to the next slide. Genesis 12, 2 to 3 says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's a storyline. You know, once Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, the, the, the history of humanity uh, following that chapter was spiraling down. You know, it was getting worse and worse. You know, after every chapter, it looked like the humanity was becoming more and more wicked and rebellious towards God. And, and when, you know, we would have thought that all hope was lost, that's when God here in Genesis 12 inserts himself. He intervenes in human history. He chooses one person, Abraham, and he promises that somehow he will bless and save people from every nation on earth through Abraham and his nation, his descendant. And fast forward, indeed, Abraham's nation, namely Israel, becomes God's covenant people, and they get situated geographically in a very strategic location in the middle between Egypt and you know, Babylon and all these superpowers, and, and Rome too, so that these superpowers had to pass through Israel and get to know their God. How amazing is that? And that was one way that God was trying to bless every nation through Israel. But ultimately, it was through the descendant of Abraham and Israel, Jesus Christ, that the nations and peoples could truly experience God's salvation. And again, last week we saw in the book of Mark that we saw Jesus searching and inviting people into the salvation, into the kingdom, and to save them from their sins. So in all this, the storyline, we see that God is a missionary God. He initiated the rescue plan, and he constantly pursued after sinners all around the world and all throughout history to save them and to bless them. He's a missionary God. And in this psalm, we hear the echoes of his missionary voice, longing people to know him from afar. So let's go on. Verse 8, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Again, worship God. And then he says, bring an offering and come into his courts. And if you know the, the Jewish background of this uh, Old Testament, rather, this one line has to be shocking. You know, bring an offering and come into his courts. 
because bringing a sacrifice of offering and coming into the temple courts was Israel's exclusive prerogative. You know, Gentiles could not do this. But now God is inviting the Gentiles to come closer and come into his court, come to his presence. And this points towards the sacrifice offering of Jesus. Because animal sacrifice could not do what Jesus could do. They're only animals. But Jesus, the Son of God, has the power to cover all the sins of the world. So through his blood, the Gentiles, Gentiles who are alienated from God could come closer into God's presence. So now anybody can come to God. And then verse 9, it says, Worship the Lord in splendor and holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The word worship there is actually literally bowing down. So here what in this verse, what the psalmist is trying to say is that you know, when the Gentiles saw God from afar, you know, they only saw this casual picture of God. But when they came closer, when they could see God for who he truly was, now they are acting in the right way. They are bowing down, humbling themselves, and they're trembling. Because God is a holy God. The Bible says he's a consuming fire. And that he's a glorious king on the throne of heaven. A mere creature cannot help but to bow down and tremble before this holy God. So again, as God pursues sinners and as he draws people into him, they get to see him more clearly because now they're in a relationship with one another where God knows them and they know God in an intimate level. There's clarity of his vision. Just another quick poll here. How many of you have gone to Niagara Falls before? Okay, better than Iceland. Um, so probably next slide. Uh, so I, I gone there twice with my families growing up. And uh, I think, you know, just, just if you look at it, it's just a magnificent view. You know, I think to me, it's like one of the, you know, natural wonders of the world. You know, forget Iceland. You know, it's like amazing, you know? I've, I've loved it growing up, going there. So from afar, you know, it's already amazing. Uh, but then when I went there most recently, I got to experience, you know, different way. What I, what I mean by that is, if you go to the next slide, I got to go to uh, this thing called the Cave of the Wind. How many of you have gone there before? Oh, just one. Two, okay, all right. So it's basically a uh, cave under uh, one of the falls of the Niagara Falls system. So you, you kind of hike there, like, like you see in the picture, and then you get to go really close to the actual fall, like where the water is falling from this gigantic fall. Um, and you can actually go even behind the fall, uh, you know, and really experience like up close so when I went there just like them I, I had my poncho and try not to carry anything that's like non-waterproof or water resistant uh, and you know went closer and closer and I kid you not 
the closer I got to the, the spot where the, the, all the water was falling into, I couldn't really walk closer at some point because the, the pressure and you know, power of the water falling was just unbearable. But I'm you know, adventurer, so I kept going. And at some point, I almost like went like really close to where I should be. And then I looked up you know, through the mist and through like all the pressure that was you know, falling on me. I looked up and at that second, that was like the scariest moment of my whole life. I just felt this extreme fear because I had this tremendous pressure from water and I really felt like I could die instantly. Just that kind of feeling. But I'm a dramatic guy. So I went even further and I wanted to have the full experience of this. So I stretched my arms like this to again, feel the whole the full force. And I kid you not, I literally went like this. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. And to me, this is a good picture of, you know, what happens when you get closer to God, when you really experience God in his presence. And again, from afar, you know, God may still look great, right? People may adore him. But it's only when you, get, you go closer uh, to his presence through Jesus Christ and experience within a relationship, you get to really see uh, for who he truly is. And and you get to really know what holiness means, that you, know, you are a sinner before this crystal clear, purely white, so pure that you cannot even describe who he is. We can know him through the experience. And of course, in this psalm, we only highlight his holiness. But of course, as you grow closer in the relationship with God, you get to also experience his fatherly tender love for us as well. So you get to know God. So then Christ's followers are called to join with this missionary God in pursuing sinners and inviting the whole world into this intimate relationship. It's because the reality of the world is very dim. People don't know God because, again, they're looking from afar. And like, oh, okay. So in one camp, some people may say, you know what? God is God of love. He wants me to be happy. I can just live however I want. And I just live true to my feeling and who I feel myself to be. And from that, that conclusion of who God is, they live in a certain way. And then another camp might be like, they see God as a drill sergeant. They feel like they really have to work hard to please God. And only when you're successful in your discipline or whatever, you feel accepted and you feel loved. Another wrong view of God because they're just looking at God from afar. Because in a way, that's what all the religions are like. You are trying to earn salvation through your performance. But if you get to know God again through the inner sanctuary, through the inner room, through Jesus Christ. You get to see his tender love for you. That it's all about Jesus Christ. What he has done for you and he's making you beautiful like himself. You get to see God for who he is. And that's our job, to invite people into the true relationship so they can see the true vision of God.
So come closer and get to know God. And third and last, come and have the real hope. Verse 10, it says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So now, the people of God are to say among, again, the nations, people who are not like you, people who do not believe in your God, tell them, the Lord reigns, that he is the king. And the line there, yes, the world is established, it shall, it shall never be moved. What that means is that this kingdom of God cannot be opposed. It's established. There's no opposition anymore. It's always victorious. And the next line, he will judge the peoples with equity. What that means, I think that the word judge can kind of, you know, uh, move our understanding of the word into the certain direction of like judging or you know, penalizing people. But I think better word might be, you know, ruling. That God is ruling the people with equity. In other words, God is the king that everyone has been waiting for. God is the one that is so just and fair that all the injustice of the world will be gone once he comes to reign. And there's hope because of that. That he's the one that everyone has been dreaming about. The idealistic, ideal king. uh, Even in our standard too. So he goes on. So next few verses, last few verses here. Verses 11 and 12, it says, When the king, when this, uh, rather, it says, Let the heavens be glad and the, the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. Simple picture of the whole creation jumping up and down and partying and celebrating. Why? Because the king is coming. Especially the context is that the Romans 8 says even the creation was kept in bondage because of our sin. But when the king comes at the end of the age, he will free even the creation of nature so they can be free to worship God along with humans. So perhaps that means no more global warming, no more X, Y, and Z that we're facing as a world. The whole creation will worship and celebrate the king's coming. And lastly, verse 13, he concludes the psalm by saying, for he comes, for he comes, repeating there, meaning this is true. He comes to judge the the earth. He's going to come to rule the earth and he will rule the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. Psalm is saying, everyone, peoples of the earth, you have choice now. Will you be judged in eternity by this fair king? Or will you join the whole creation in joy and in celebrating the coming of this king that you've always been dreaming of? Meaning when he comes, you know, he will wipe away, you know, all the disease. He will heal every disease, whether physical or mental. 
when he comes, he will vindicate all the victims of any kind. He will cease every war that existed. And he will free us especially from all our sins. Meaning every sad thing in the world, in our lives, will be undone. And all the happiness and bliss that we always dream of will be established, will be reality for us. This is the true king that we've been waiting for. So we celebrate. Will you do that, the world? Or will you not join in the celebration and perish? Uh, Let me uh, share with you this video, uh, two minutes long, I believe. And uh, afterwards, we'll finish. But uh, let's watch it together. ミクさんとこう話すことによって、あの、表情は動くし、ちゃんと言葉も喋るし、心も動くし、っていうようなあの違いは出るようになりました。この報復のテンプレートをやれよっていう風な世間の圧力があると思うんですけども、でも必ずしもそれをそれに屈しればあの幸せになれるわけじゃないので、自分の幸福っていうのをきちんと追い求めてくださいねっていう風に伝えたい
love. It could be perhaps acceptance. It could be, I don't know, friendship and, you know, solving his loneliness that he might have felt growing up. I don't know. There could be a lot of different factors and reasons. But he has longing. And he's trying to find the solution and filling of that void in hologram, in a illusion. So he has to come to grips at some point in his life that no matter what he expects from this anime character, it is illusion. It will not be grabbed by him or touched by him. But if you think about it, you and I even, and everyone in the world, to some degrees, do this. What do I mean? You know, we all hold something or someone uh, to fulfill our longings, right? And in, here in the West, you know, it could be our career, education, relationships, entertainment in all various forms, food, drugs, some new age religion to, you know, medicate our stress, right? We really depend on them. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to admit that these are all illusions too. They don't have substance. They cannot possibly fulfill our deep longings. And also in the countries that uh, we'll talk about in our prayer meeting today, um, you know, countries where uh, the overseas missionaries that CLC support, uh, we, hear, we hear stories of how people look to uh, their ethnic heritage, their traditional religion and government as their hope and solution, but they are also illusions too. So that we hear stories of, uh, from these missionaries telling us that uh, people in their countries feel so hopeless on their deathbed. I mean, one of the missionaries like really graphically described this story, how like she was crying and, but she, because in her religion, she couldn't find the assurance of salvation. She was like, you know, grabbing hold for something, a hope to, you know, free her from eternal death. Another story is, you know, refugees fleeing, you know, civil war and don't know where to go. And lastly, you know, people whose government just got taken over by military coup and now they're fearing for their lives. So where do they turn now? And that's where the missionaries come in, that they tell them of the hope, the substance, the real substance of Jesus Christ, because he's the only one that is not an illusion. He has substance. He's the, the one that we all been dreaming about that can fulfill our longings in the deepest sense. And it's their job in their respective countries to tell them of the gospel, even risking their safety and lives. And we have the task for our communities too. It's not just their job, but every church, every local church of Jesus Christ has that calling, has that mission of telling people around us of the real substance found in Jesus Christ and real hope. And may we boldly do that in our communities. And also, again, I welcome us to come to our prayer meeting at 6 p.m. Uh, right here, uh, really supporting them through prayers. And may we get to um, you know, really encourage them this way too, 
as I'll probably email them that we had this meeting. So let's pray together. Let's pray uh, just for about a minute uh, before we close with the song. Um, you know, like I often say that whatever the word is spoken, um, that somehow God is working through that. And in our own hearts right now, uh, as God has just spoken through his word, um, you know, what, what is it doing? And um, maybe some of us really feel convicted about something or others of us feel maybe confused or you know, do not feel much. And I would say, whatever that you're feeling right now, that's okay. That's really okay. Um, I can go back to what I said earlier. It's a journey. Um, do not be discouraged by how you feel right now because that's not how the word works. He does it ever so slowly, but he does it because he is beautiful. He is God. If we trust that, may we keep going. So now, in a lot of the song, may we truly come to God right now just longing and asking God to help us to experience Him. That whatever we say to others will not just be something that we know to be true from other people or what we have read somewhere, but that it is our, or our own experience that we are sharing with others. And from there on, may we have the boldness to encourage them to come to God closer see him for who he is and that they would have true real hope in their lives as opposed to the illusions of things that promise them fulfillment can we do that and then we'll uh, finish with the song let's pray together close in prayer um, but before i do let's just Apply um, what the psalmist said to the nations and to ourselves first um, that God is calling us to come closer um, no barrier he wants us to come closer and he made a way for us already through Jesus Christ and as we get to know him um, you know we get to know his holiness in a truest sense we got to know the depth of his love for us and we got to see the true hope that we have in Jesus so let's come to God together and I, I believe and trust that as we ourselves are restored just like we sang when he heals our hearts first and I know that we can naturally want to tell others and be the healing agents in our communities and around the world. So let's pray for our own hearts and our close for us. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for um, your relentless pursuit of us. Um, that all of our days were never hidden before you. Your word says, 
even when we were in our, in our mother's wombs, you knew us. And when we were lost in our selfishness, uh, in our illusions, you pursued after us through people who were obeying your call to declare to others, to the nations, your salvation. Without that, we wouldn't be here. So thank you for your love for us. This is evidence, the fact that we're here in this place right now together, it's evidence of your great pursuit of each one of us. Um, so be glorified. Salvation really belongs to you. Thank you, Lord, that we are free in you. So now as we embrace this word of yours and ask for more healing of our hearts, that you would use us, though as we are jars of clay, made through our weakness, your strength and the power of your gospel be shining and be seen in this world and in our work, school, class, whatever we do. May you shine your light. Thank you, Lord.